Welcome, Hazel Sheffield, to How to Build a Village. I am so excited to welcome Hazel, who is a British multimedia journalist. Her grant-funded project, farnearer.org, which documents self-organizing communities and economic alternatives, was highly commended in the Georgina Henry Award for Innovation at the Society of Editors Press Awards in 2019. Then Hazel returned to these communities she's been highlighting which aren't always featured in mainstream news media for a newsletter series called Revisiting Britain. And Hazel is also an investigative journalist and feature writer with bylines and publications, including The Guardian, The Times, The Atlantic, The Financial Times, and Institutional Investor. And she's working on many other interesting projects, which I'm excited to hear about. Welcome, Hazel, and thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me, Jill. I'm pleased to be here. Well, I'd love to hear more about revisiting Britain and your revisiting places that you visited and reporting on and ask you about how you shine a light on these communities and these people in these communities who are doing interesting things. How, how do you find the people who you interview and what inspired you to take on this project? Oh, great questions. So to start with revisiting Britain, this was a short lived a uh, newsletter series I did in, in January. I think like most people, the terms of my work had enormously changed. I'd spent mm. several years on the road finding these stories and spending time with these communities. And of course, no one was traveling in January. So I flipped to a kind of uh, phone interview and started going back to some of the people that I'd spent time with to find out what had happened since we'd first met. Um, and I guess the idea was based on the fact that journalists so rarely get that opportunity to go back to places. You know, often we will visit once for a story and when the story comes out, we may never hear from the people in the story how they felt about it. Um, and we especially may never get to go back there and see if the thing we were reporting on really had any kind of long-term impact. So it was a kind of response to that um, idea that, that maybe we should go back to places and revisit them and see what happened in the time since we filed. Yes, and, and were you surprised by what you found when you did, when you did return? In many cases, I, I found people grappling with these extraordinary conditions, you know, um, and the nature of my work reporting on, commu on community work, you know, I'd often gone to these places because they were experimenting with some kind of economic alternative. It might have been cooperative membership of a, a business or uh, community shares in uh, um, a harbour, for example. And they, they were doing these quite innovative things. And then during the pandemic, simply by nature of the fact that these groups were very um, grassroots led and very local in their focus, neighborhood level almost. They had almost all of them pivoted to a kind of emergency, emergency response for the people around them. So yeah, I found people doing incredible things in response to the pandemic, you know, emergency phone lines to keep old people company, prescription pickups, grocery drop-offs, um, IT services, distributing iPads to people who aren't connected, cooking classes for kids on Zoom. Mm. Uh, and, and, and it was quite encouraging, actually, to see that when the state, especially in the beginning of the pandemic, 
seemed unable to reach these people and you know the the market the supermarkets especially were having enormous supply chain issues and people couldn't even get the food they wanted there were these communities that were, had already been united perhaps by working together on some economic alternative who were able to then step up to the challenge that's amazing it's amazing how people pull together and help each other out during a a tricky time isn't it how did you first choose the places that you visited when you went the first time around yeah great question i i'll tell you the story from the beginning if you like i was yeah. the business editor at the independent at the time and it was kind of a tough time to be at the indie the print edition had closed mm. and so the there'd been this enormous exodus of really knowledgeable um older staff members from the newsroom and we had then formed this digital first newsroom and it was 2016 and the european referendum was on the horizon um you know i was getting into the newsroom anyway at like 7:30 every day and working 12 hour days writing up to 10 stories a day wow. um it was a crazy crazy work environment and then on the brexit referendum day i was in the newsroom at 4:30 in the morning and you know that was the craziest day of my career as i'm sure it was for many people who were in newsrooms at that time and what really struck me in the days that followed is how completely we'd been blindsided by the result of that referendum mm-hmm. you know the, there were no real predictions of a leave vote the pollsters didn't predict it the government and the short sellers didn't expect it everybody seemed to wake up in shock that day and I just had this moment of realization that I had been busting a gut to write about business and economics you know for all this time and I and yet somehow it felt like everybody had missed the biggest story of our time mm-hmm. um you know that and as as the research came out about who had voted for Brexit it was people who you know often were facing a, a double misfortune of lack of qualifications putting them at an instant disadvantage in the economy and then they lived in places where there were fewer opportunities. Mm. And I realized that we just weren't we weren't hearing those stories in the newsroom. Um and I felt enormously frustrated by that and I I quit my job actually 2 months later and was very fortunate to receive a grant from uh, the Friends Provident Foundation and set out on the road to find I guess answers to some of the questions that I had about this but very specifically i wanted to find communities that were experimenting with economic alternatives self organizing communities as i called them um people who were kind of bucking the trend or doing something a bit different i wanted it to be a hopeful project you know well, one of the things i love about your reporting is that you focus on people who create opportunities exactly. for themselves and It's great that you've done that yourself. I mean, you created this enterprise and went out and got the grant. How have you found that just as a journalist working for yourself instead of working for a major media company? I really love it. <laughs> um I love the independence of it. Um and I love being able to craft my own projects and my own schedule. um but i do think it entirely d- depends on the person um i love to come up with projects and ideas and to think about things in a kind of systems way 
Um, and that's quite useful when it comes to applying for grant funding, because often you need to present to a funder your vision of what you're going to do. Mm. And it helps if you can think very strategically about that. I mean, you, you do have to write budgets and it is quite a strategic thing. So I think I'm quite well suited to that just because it's what I like doing. Did anything in your background and training, of course, you've got a journalism degree from Columbia, didn't prepare you for this? You knew that the the funding aspect and the the budgeting and the laying out the vision and then matching fund demands with that. Is, is that something you you learned to do or was that something that you had uh, been trained to do in your journalism education? Well, I guess two things. One, I don't come from a family with connections in the industry. Mm. So I had to always just make my own opportunities. Um, and, you know, I, I was lucky to go to Columbia, but I, I had to defer my place. Um, I worked three jobs. I got the Fulbright scholarship and a couple of other scholarships um, to fund my own way through university, including, including a huge loan, of course. Um, so I guess I'd always been a bit scrappy. <laughs> And then the second thing is, yes, of course, Colombia was the most enormous opportunity and training for ground level shoe leather reporting. You know, the first day of Columbia Journalism School, you get assigned into this group, RW1, and you form a community paper that was called the Bronx Inc. And then you get uh, just given some streets to literally just walk around, proper old school shoe leather reporting. And I remember you know, totally green, getting the bus to the Bronx. <laughs> I'd never been to the Bronx before. Uh, getting off the bus, walking one or two blocks in the Bronx, getting back on the bus and going all the way back home again and thinking, oh my God, I am never going to be able to do this. <laughs> and of course, three months later, I was there in all the community meetings, in the police station, knocking on doors. Um, yeah, they really teach you how to report properly there. So then, of course, when I found myself in this um, stifling digital first newsroom environment, mm. I felt cheated. <laughs> I thought I've trained, I worked so hard to get to Columbia and I want to go out there and, and do some walking around and talking to some real people, you know. That's so interesting and so great that you've, been able to to do that here. So what are you working on for the most part now? Well, I'm continuing my work um, with self-organizing communities. I just think it's the most fascinating beat. And I count my lucky stars that I was able to make a kind of career out of it. Um, uh, The idea is that the project that I formulated to get the grant initially when I left the independent is called Far Nearer. Mm -hmm. And that still exists online. Um, And I'm still talking to all the people that I interviewed for Farnera, and I'm now kind of consolidating five years of reporting now um, into a book proposal, um, which I'm trying to sell, which is a whole new adventure. Um, and at the same time, keeping on top of those stories, writing about them for the press. We were talking earlier about a recent story I've written for the FT about five incredible women who'd, who've opened an arts centre in, in Watchit, a tiny uh, seaside town in West Somerset um, to employ themselves and other people in the absence of local jobs. So yeah, it's just the best when you get to be on these stories for long enough to see things like that come to fruition. I, I really love that story, um, especially because it, it 
it resonated with me and so many of my friends who you know, have tried to if, look for jobs and maybe in, in a new place and maybe those jobs haven't come through and then turning around and saying, all right, well, I'm going to create one for myself, you know, in, instead of getting frustrated and, you know, maybe, maybe they also get frustrated, but just the fact that they channel that frustration into creating this wonderful thing, which sounded better than any job they weren't getting. I just thought that was so great that they could turn around a situation into this, into this wonderful thing, and then be in a position to hire other people. I just think that's, um, that's really nice. Mm, it is. And it really comes, I mean, it's not an easy road at all for people who want to do that. It takes years and years of perseverance and actually a, a, an enormous amount of, of skill to to raise that amount of money and to be able to na- navigate relationships with various stakeholders and then building contracts and, you know, hiring people and huge budgets and lots of pressure. It's really quite skillful. Yeah, I have yet to find an industry now where you don't have to raise money, you know, whether it's charity. <laughs> I have a friend who's a curator at a museum and you would think like, oh, that'd be nice. You're just, you know, acquiring artwork and creating exhibits. But so much of her job is raising money as well as, you know, so it's like from from charity to art to, to journalism, it's, it's everything. So it's such a great skill to have. With, with that story, were you, did you go there first and find these women or did... um did you find the women and then go to watch it? No, I knew of the Onion Collective, the women, their, their group is called. I knew of them for a while before I eventually got to go to watch it. I've been to watch it a few times now um, to meet them. In fact, this was one of those, this was a real slow burner. I, I probably first spoke to Jess um, and encountered them years ago. And it's very hard actually to write these stories often these projects they need funding as we just discussed and they are really quite keen to talk about what they're doing but as you know as a journalist until something has actually happened it's quite hard to craft that narrative arc that you need to tell the story so I've been kind of I've been kind of waiting for the right moment to write about them so it was really thrilling to be able to do that actually that's um well it's great that you're able to balance that along with them with your other projects, yes, and, and your and your other in, investigative work, um. So, how can people find you if they want to read more about your, um, about your enterprises and your investigative reporting? Uh, well, I'm on Twitter primarily. It's just Hazel Sheffield, um, and then I have. The, if anyone's interested in the website, the Far Nearer project is still online. That's farnearer.org. And you can find the newsletter series as well online uh, through my Twitter page. And and what projects do you have coming up over the the coming months that you're excited about? Let's see, I'm working on my book proposal, which is really exciting because if it comes off and I, I get a publishing contract and I get to go back to all those places and meet all those lovely people again. So that's, I really hope that that happens. Um, and I'm also um, working on a couple of investigations at the moment. Um, these are kind of international collaborative investigations. So that's kind of online work with really smart team members from all over Europe, which is really fun. Um, and then I'm kind of gearing up to a move to Berlin, actually, in a year's time to take up our fellowship at the uh, Freie Universität there. Um, it's called the European Journalism Fellowship. So I'll be there for two semesters. How amazing. Yeah. That's great. 
Oh, well, congratulations. Thank you. Well, keep us posted on the book proposal. I'd love to read it when it comes out. Thank you. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Well, thanks again and take care. Okay, bye, Joe.